What is up, Flock and friends? Welcome to another edition of Talking Flock, your full mingo podcast. It is I, your host, Rob Chapel, and with me today, Mr. Andrew Schmidt of New Dog Mazine. Andrew, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, much better than Thursday, but that's not mm-hmm. saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. The bar was pretty low yes. in terms of Ford Madison fan mood. Correct. Uh, for a couple of days there. But, uh, you know, as they said, Wednesday night, we, we have a quick turnaround and we go, go again Saturday. And the result Saturday was, uh, you know, not not great, but much, much better. And we'll, we will get into that. Before we do, however, wherever you are listening to this, um, give us a follow. Give us a subscription. Subscribe, follow, like, whatever it is you do on that platform you're listening to. And maybe even a rating and a review helps all the other weirdos find our humble podcast and follow us at talk and flock. You can follow me at Rob travel 365. You can follow uh, new dog Mazine at it's just that new dog Mazine, right? Yep. Isn't it? And uh, Andrew Schmidt himself at dredgens on the Twitter machine or on X. Now I guess it's called whatever. Yeah. It's still, it's still Twitter. <laughs> that, that's kind of Elon's thing, right? He just takes whatever it is and puts an X on it. Yeah, like the Tesla Model X. That's the X. Right. Uh, space. We're going to go to space. We'll call it SpaceX. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why I didn't call it Twitter X or social media X or something. Just call yeah. it X. whatever. Uh, who cares? Uh, follow us there. Whatever you want to call it. You can follow us there. I'm also we're also on Instagram and on threads now uh, so that we might begin to sort of migrate that direction because uh, for one of the wheels finally do come off the X. Twitter app or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so, uh, Andrew, um, you weren't able to join us the week before last when we had our midseason roundtable. So I just wanted to get your thoughts, Re- you know, regardless of the individual results, which we will dig into shortly. Sure. Um, what are your, you know, roughly halfway through the season, a little more than halfway through now, uh, what are your big picture feelings about the club right now? Yeah. First off, um, I just want to call out the fan support. It's been massive this season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's evolving. It's spreading to other parts of the stadium. Like the, it, it's loud in there, no matter where you're sitting now, which is it awesome. Is. It really is. Um, averaging 4,000 plus people for game per game, even on weeknights. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's something that, you know, f- five, four and a half years ago, I don't think any of us would have expected to see breeze filled like that every single game. And it's been no. a great surprise. And, uh, it makes for good feels um, outside of fan stuff. Uh, player wise, Cheney has, I, I think been the standout. He's, he's turned out to be who we thought he would be for us. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just three, he's just three goals away from Don smarts club goal scoring record, uh, yep. which is 10 goals, but he's done it in about 20 games uh, getting to where he is right now. And Don's record was set over almost 50. Um, right. And I mean, you also have, you know, Derek Gebhardt's played, I think, 71 games for the club at this point or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's got nine goals. Nazim's also, I think he's at close to 50 uh, games and has nine goals. So, like, Cheney's done this in very short order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we had two or three more Cheney's, we'd probably be firmly <laughs> at the top of the table. Um, but uh, the other kind of standouts for me, uh, someone who's proven me wrong my initial impressions uh baron shipman uh i think has really come into form and kind of come into his own and um you know we talked with uh with with jim 
um, about this on our most recent podcast on NDZ Live. And um, Jim Launder said as much uh, that he was somebody who initially when they brought him in, even for training um, last season, that he wasn't somebody that really impressed the coaches, but he's just come a long way and stepped up big time. Um, he's impressed me, proven me wrong. I'm glad to be wrong, especially if it means that my, my team is playing well. Um, I, I, outside of that, I really think uh, Jake McCrawl, <laughs> Stephen Payne, have been a massive upgrade from last season. Yeah. Um, they're steady and quick, technical, very, very physical at times. Um, in my mind, they're of the same quality as like a Jiro Toyama and a, a Pato uh, mm -hmm. as far as their quality is concerned. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as things that maybe haven't been as good, the refereeing has been pretty terrible. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, again, this, I mean, it's not anything new, but it just, I feel like it seems worse this season. Um, at least in the first half, mm -hmm. uh, owners and coaches are fed up with it. We'll talk a little bit about that later on when it comes yep. to talking about Matt. Um, yep. and the players are, are, are fed up with it too. And I mean, I think everyone league wide is dealing with it though, but, it seems like, you know, outside of the, the press release that the league did back in what January saying that they were like not going to use pro referees and then just quietly bringing them back into the picture. Yeah. Um, they won't even acknowledge it. So I guess that's one of the questions that I'm kind of asking at this point in the season is like, what sort of recourse do fans have if, if clubs themselves don't really have any power to do anything about it? Um, like we paid good money for tickets to see a good match and not the refs make it about themselves, but it seems like we're, we're kind of seeing more of that recently. Um, uh, as far as kind of from here forward, um, we've had some really unlucky games and some stinkers of some games so far this season. Uh, yeah. the, the, how the loss to house in the open cup, uh, you know, getting beat by Fuego earlier this season, the recent Tormenta game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, but there really hasn't like, there's one thing that we haven't had a lot of so far, which is consistency. Um, there's this line on the, on the TV series, the bear, which is probably my favorite thing on TV right now yeah. um, where the staff's cleaning up after a service, after, you know, meal service. And one of the cooks asks the lead character, who's the head chef of the place, why he needs to use a toothbrush to scrub the stove. Um, and the head chef says it's about consistency. We can't operate at a higher level without consistency. Um, so I, I think it is a foundation that we can build on for the rest of the season, especially if we want to get to the playoffs and potentially host our first playoff game as a club. Um, it's also probably one of the toughest qualities for a team in the third division to cultivate and attain. Uh, right. I think yeah. part of that's due to the transient nature of the third division. Um, but I think also it's also kind of due to the level of play talent and experience of, mm -hmm. of the players. Um, but it feels like that if we can find some consistency down the stretch, uh, I think we'll actually have a postseason on our hands, which would be nice. Which would be nice. And I think you're right. I think um, one of the things that separates a third division player from a first division player in some cases is consistency. Like you can see guys that could, there are goals scored in this league that would be a goal in every league at every level. Yeah. Right. But the question is, can you do that all the time? If you can do that all the time, then you're in MLS or you're in England right. or something. If, if you can't, if you can do that 80% of the time, you're in league one. 
you know, that's kind of where we are. And so we end up seeing like a guy like Tim Mel, who's a terrific defender who has a tiny little lapse and, and we come away with a draw instead of a win. So it's those, it's those kind of things. Uh, So we'll talk more about that, but let's, um, let's jump into these games because we had two big games to talk through. So uh, we'll just jump right into them. And the first one, uh, was the one we don't really want to talk about that much, <laughs> uh, but it did. Uh, it was Wednesday. You get you guys go listen to the New Dog Magazine um, uh, NDZ live from Thursday. You, you guys record that Thursday? Yeah. Well, one? yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, yeah. It was on Thursday. Yeah. Was it was a. Yeah. It but, was a good catharsis. Yeah, and it was a good. It was a good conversation of a of a rough game, but it did. It was a six o'clock start on a weeknight which sort of sucked and and i was wrong about this on twitter i have to admit um that you guys were saying that um it was seems to have been scheduled to coincide with the women's national team game which so that so that the club could show it on the big board and have a fun night uh and so to do that you'd have to move it to 6 p.m i in my memory the women's world cup draw and schedule was like in the spring but it was actually all the way back in october so you were entirely right that the, the Women's World Cup schedule was set in October. Our schedule was set in January. And at some point, Madison, Ford Madison circled that date and said, hey, we have a home game. The same night as a women's team game, can we move it to 6 o'clock? So not a huge deal, but it did kind of suck uh, trying to get there after work, you know. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people were still outside when the thing started. And uh, therefore, they missed the fastest goal in Ford Madison history. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of sucked. Uh, and I was stuck in traffic on the Beltline and was like five minutes late getting to the stadium. And I was, we were outside um, just walking past uh, gate one. And I had, as I often do, if I'm running late, I had ESPN plus laying on my phone. So, and, and which is like 30 seconds behind yeah, real action. So I'm looking at on my phone, I'm looking at Tormenta standing over the ball, ready to get it underway. And I hear the from the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I, said, I think somebody scored <laughs> <laughs> in the, in some, so we're like, my kids and I are watching my phone, like sometime in the next 30 seconds, somebody's going to score. And right. I'll be damned if it wasn't Christian Cheney uh, with the fastest goal in Fort Madison history, the previous record, Paolo Jr. way back in 2019 against Toronto FC in 44 seconds. Yeah. Um, but Tormenta starts with possession and, and Andrew Lerman, who wins it, takes a touch forward and looks up and sees Cheney basically level with the Tormenta back line um, and just launched it uh, very nicely weighted over the top. And Cheney was able to chest it down right in stride. He was getting pushed in the back by Jake Dengler, yeah. uh, who's trying to earn a yellow card <laughs> just to stop him. And uh, he was able to finish it. Uh, after the match, Christian Cheney did say they were gonna try to do that that, that they knew yep tormenta starts with a high line um they, they knew that they could probably exploit in behind if they could get there and and they they sure did which was pretty freaking incredible yep and that's all we're going to talk about in that game that's <laughs> <laughs> but were you in the stadium with them did you make it in was what was the because it was right into the flock end too yeah i was actually um upstanding uh in the the keith tmire seat suite which is the oh, nice. uh the outside uh catwalk area just to <laughs> uh if you're looking out at breeze from uh the east wash side on the left the little mm-hmm. like gangway thing uh, outside on the top floor of the press box um what i thought was kind of interesting about and normally i'm in the flock in for most of the game mm-hmm. I got to see the start of the game from up there. And one thing that I saw from Cheney is he is talking to everyone. 
uh, before the match kicks off. He's yeah. talking, he's in the ref's ear. He's in the opposition player's ears, like very clearly letting them know that Christian Cheney is here and <laughs> uh, will be taking no prisoners. Uh, but no, it was, um, yeah, it was immediately, you know, ball comes back, wheels gets it, floats it over the top. And, you know, I'm, I thought, wow, you know, that's a super fast goal. We're cruising already, you know, like we're, we're going to do something here. And, uh, ever, the, the wheels came off after that. Uh, and, and it, talking to Matt after the match, it sounds like that was the attitude among the players as well as we're cruising now. Yep. And, and, and they also, there's something to be said for, so you have 10 days off basically, and then two games in four days. And, um, Matt, said uh, Matt kind of admitted to giving the guys too many days off uh, during that 10 day period and, um, and kind of took some responsibility for that, but also felt like the guys were just a little bit too smiley and happy and right. uh, a little relaxed maybe coming into this one. And then, so you're coming into it already like with some swagger, which you like the swagger, but the, maybe you're a little bit too relaxed about it. And then you get a goal in the first 18 seconds and you're like, all right, we got it. Yep. And uh, they did not have it. Uh, and then, uh, so just, uh, in the eighth minute, like the second goal came really quickly too. I completely missed this one. Cause I was like standing in line for food. Um, and, uh, uh, but looking back at it, our old friend, Maceus Cassini, uh, gets a long ball from the back from the very, the, what's his name? Was it Kilwine? That, yeah, I think so. Play? Yeah. Uh, the center back, but very nice through ball all the way down the pitch through the center third. Um, Osmond did get a touch to it, but not enough of a touch. And it went th- kind of through him <clears throat> and Cassini was in behind and, and is never going to miss from that close. And it yeah. was one, <clears> one <throat> suddenly, and then we're real. And then we're the rest of the time from that point on, we're pretty much on our heels. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know <clears throat> what that did to the mentality, but, uh, we did manage to get to halftime one, one, but it was all this, the rest of the first half was pretty much all Tormenta with chances. Um, but you're hoping you kind of recalibrate during halftime, come back out. Uh, but did not happen because two minutes into the second half, Jackson Corey gets crossed into Sterling, who is standing all by himself in the middle of the box. who gets a free header and, uh, and suddenly it's two to one. <laughs> and from uh, uh, are off and running eight minutes later, it's again, Corey to Sterling from the, from the left side. This time it's a low cross. Um, Corey and, had our uh, number all night. Oh man, he did. He uh, well, yeah, because he would, he kept coming down the left side and would get one on one with uh, who's on the it was that Mel that's on the right side with him and just yeah. Uh, well, the the first one was I think it was Stephen Payne trying to contain him, didn't quite contain him enough, and then the second time it was Mel who could not, <clears throat> um, just didn't uh, get aggressive enough maybe, and uh, and then Kaziah Sterling then is kind of unmarked in the box. Um, and he's, I mean, we've talked about him before, like right. nobody's really been able to contain him all season. No. Um, and then, uh, Corey got one of his own, uh, a little bit later, uh, all three goals <clears throat> in the second half for Tormenta had kind of a similar feel to them, right? They were, um, pretty quick. Two of them were kind of not exactly counterattacks, but kind of transition and, uh, were very, uh, very close in, right? There weren't bangers or anything they were just a uh, good build up breaking down our line into the box and, and getting it in um and uh it was just ugly all around 
Yeah, we. It's not like they did anything spectacular, you know. Like, I, right. I think the the thing that was unnerving to me was just like the the lack of marking of Kazaya Sterling for much of the game. Um, he's a dangerous player. He's got to be the first person. Got to have a body on him. <clears throat> yep, every single time, and and Corey managed to find him when whenever he was open. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, this, this comes back to like what I was mentioning earlier about consistency. I feel like, you know, we have to be consistent regardless of where the, uh, the opposition is in the table, or if we come out and get a quick goal, like you need to realize that any one of these teams is dangerous and can do you damage at any point Mm -hmm. and you can't take your foot off the gas. Right. Yeah, you scored a goal in the first minute. You got 89 and a half minutes left. Right. <laughs> to hang on yeah. to that. You're not, you're not going to cling to a one goal lead for 89 and a half minutes, probably. Right. Um, the other thing uh, that there's, an, I think, an underrated skill or trait of a great football player is uh, focus. Mm. Right. And yeah. I felt like, I feel like our backline, especially the best backline in the league, arguably, um, just had a night of very, very poor focus. Absolutely. Like they, just, they just weren't. They were just kind of a half second behind on everything. They were looked a little bit confused at times, um, just a little slow. Um, <clears throat> didn't quite understand what Tormentor was trying to do. These are, which is really unusual. Like, like we, um, one thing our backline does really well and did really well against Greenville, which we'll get to, was um, was sort of anticipating uh, the attack, anticipating where the balls were going, um, you know, being in the right spots and, and getting those key sort of interceptions. And that was just completely lacking against Tormenta. Yeah. Um, they just uh, weren't quite sure what was happening. And I, and I don't know why, uh, other than just they were a little bit unfocused. Yeah, it seemed like, I, I think you're spot on there with, with talking about focus. Um, yeah, it, it that leads to like, you know, Mitch potentially, you know, we saw it in the Greenville game even. We'll get into that a little bit. But like, just this not following through, um, Having, I, I, I do think that is kind of the word I was looking for when I was <laughs> putting together some notes for, for uh, the show overall, not just, you know, in the, in the Greenville game, but for the Tormenta game as well. <clears throat> that I think has to be the, the thing probably that, that the coaching staff this week just drills into the players of like, look, when you come out there, the mentality has to be, you know, do the basics get the job done, follow mm-hmm. through on things. Don't just, you know, stick half-heartedly stick a foot in or whatever, you know, like play our game and you hope then at least that things come off. If you know, you can walk away and say we were just beat tonight. That'd be one thing. Right. But I, I think on, on Wednesday, we kind of took ourselves out of the game. Uh, just m- mentality yeah. wise. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit, I don't know, maybe disingenuous to, to lose four to one and say, we should have won that game, but in some ways, like we should have, like we, there's yeah. no way we should have given up four goals. Uh, certainly. Um, the, 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 their first goal was very nicely done. It was a little bit unlucky. Mitch's, um, you know, attempt to clearance that didn't quite come off and, you know, Cassini is right. a good player. Um, <clears throat> but uh, to give up three goals that were, were not unlucky. That were just very way too easy yep. for Tormenta. And you know, it was hot. Um, but both teams were playing in the same temperature. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, and, and you, you can you could say you know Tormenta plays in this type of weather all the time. You could say that, but at the sure. same time, it's like it's not like we didn't know it was going to be like that. You know, the weather forecast right. like they they have guys they have people watching that stuff. Um, <clears throat> you would hope that the the squad is hydrating. You know, going into that game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and some. It, Hopefully it is one of those things where we can just write off that game as a, as a fluke. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I know we've had similar games like this. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we've gotten it out of the way and are done with it for the season. <laughs> yeah. And even, even the couple of losses, the two losses to begin the month of June um, were bad, but didn't feel that bad. Right. Like, it, it didn't, they weren't quite that symbolic. Uh, especially in the back line. Well, the, the, the hell of it is that especially the, the best back three and goalkeeper in the league to give up four goals was, you know, that's something that's an anomaly is what the way Mitch Osmond talked about it on Saturday night was we know that was an anomaly. Right. Right. So turning the page now, um, they get two days, basically uh, two and a half days to, um, to prepare to host Greenville. Uh, great rivalry. Uh, six of the 12 games previous to this ended in draws. Uh, you know, going back to the very beginning of the original USL League One season. Um, and uh, Glazer did not make very much in the way of changes. He made one standard rotation change, which was to say uh, Messias in for wheels at the six. But other than that, it was the same lineup, which it, which was right. I mean, I think there are some coaches who might be tempted to bench some guys after getting beat four to one. Oh yeah. Uh, but the way the way Mitch talked about it after the match Saturday was that yeah we know that was an anomaly. We know that was unusual. If you say that, if you say that that's you know forget it. That was just a one off. It was just a fluke. Um, we're going to forget about it. Move on. If you say that and then make changes to the lineup. That means you didn't really mean it, right? Right. You don't think it's a fluke if you're changing the lineup. So Matt didn't change the lineup. That was the right call, I think. He uh, after the game Saturday said, "Yeah, I trust these guys. We had a bad night, but I trust these guys. These are the guys I'm going with." Um, and uh, and he did. And they, um, he it was a big bounce back. He uh, he said after the match that the the response after that loss to come in and get a point against Greenville and and not only just get a point, but to the way they played and the way they really dominated the match. Yep. Um, was a brilliant response. Do you agree with that? I do. I think, you know, I think in the goal, and we can get into the the the, the yeah. goal in a little bit, but I, yep. I think the goal was a sort of individual mistake and got an unlucky deflection. Yeah. Um, I think overall our our defense played very well uh, in the Greenville game. The thing, mm-hmm. and you you kind of mentioned it off off air before we started recording. Uh, we need to score goals. And uh, just we're got very unlucky in this game uh, with some of the, you know, my man of the match, I kind of joked about it afterwards was, uh, was, was the, the woodwork. Uh, (laughs) Is it had three clear, uh, you know, three clear blocks from the woodwork. And uh, (laughs) one of them, uh, a, a, probably the the chanciest chance that we've had in a, a season and a half, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think the the response was good. Um, I do think again, like we can't always yes, best defense in the league, arguably best one of the best goalkeepers in the league, if not the best, as far mm-hmm. as uh, big moment saves. 
Um, and just consistency in general, uh, Byrne has been consistent, um, in my mind anyway. But yeah, you got to score goals if if you want to win games. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yep. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about those. I, I, I tweeted jokingly during the match that I wonder if it's is Jaden Onan getting paid per crossbar or what? <laughs> <laughs> part, uh, of his, uh, part of his bonus. Part of his bonus is, yeah. is, a, is, a, is a crossbar challenge. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, it, it did, the, the game felt like it was starting a little bit slow, which might have been good, actually, right? Like, yeah. You know, maybe that really fast start on uh, Wednesday actually was detrimental as it turned out, but, um, but it was uh, uh, the defending from the get go, the defending was just better. You could tell they were locked in, right. They were focused. They were, they were anticipating, they were shutting everything down. Every time um, Greenville had wandered into the final third, uh, it was just snuffed out immediately in the, in those first 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, And uh, uh, we get a, uh, and we get another nice early goal from who else? Christian Cheney. Um, and what was the 11th minute? Yep. Um, it's from a throw in a very weird throw in where Stephen Payne got a yellow card for no reason. We'll talk more about the officiating in a bit. Um, that was just so you're aware that was for uh, looking back through it and reading back through like the, the ticker yeah. um, Payne's yellow card. Uh, Gavilanis goes to round at around nine minutes and they took 45 seconds until there was a stoppage of play to call that back. Oh, <laughs> was that what it was for? That's what, that's what it was for. I, I honestly thought, cause there was, there was a ball sitting on the sideline and when the ball went out of play it hit that ball and, yep. and that ball rolled away. So I thought the referee thought that Steven had kicked that ball away and that's why I gave me a yellow card, but you're saying it was for a foul that happened. Almost a full minute earlier. Correct. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. How do, yeah. How do you? This is the yellow card is from last Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> what the hell? So anyway, on that throw in, Stephen Payne gets the throw in, um, and and we lost possession immediately. Uh, but Jacob Crawl won it back right away, and and uh, then Cello kind of picked up the the loose <laughs> ball and looked up, and I can't praise cello's vision enough mm. he has such amazing vision to see um exactly where to slot a ball through four defenders to catch uh christian cheney in stride and mm. then the skill to do it and to to make it perfectly weighted so that cheney can take possession of the ball without even touching it what while Just, he is running by the way yeah uh. <laughs> yeah like that guy that that as a uh, he's got li- everything you would want in a number six or a number eight, wherever he's, wherever you want to say he's playing. Um, just an immaculate assist there, um, just to look up to see where Cheney's going, where all the defenders are going, where how to where to slot the ball, and then to, to do it. Yep, um, just incredible. Um, but then the finish, equally incredible, because Cheney has Nate Schultz uh, banging him shoulder to shoulder, manhandling him, just trying to take him down and manage to stay on his feet and actually lets Schultz get in front of him. So Schultz is like crossing in front of Cheney and Cheney finished with his left foot behind Schultz. Like he let Schultz <laughs> yeah. go by and then finished behind him. And uh, Mazzola got a hand to it. Uh, the goalkeeper got a hand to that ball, but there was so much power behind it. He couldn't keep it out. And it was just oh, yeah. an amazing goal for Christian Cheney, his seventh of the season. Yeah. I, it, you know, what can you say again? It's Cheney showing his quality. He does this regularly. Um, 
I think it's good that we've had so many goal scorers in this team this season, but the Cheney, mm-hmm. it's like, you can, it's almost like clockwork. You know, that if he gets the ball in the attacking third and he doesn't have two or three defenders on him, he's going to put a shot on frame. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, and it's just the, the, the physical strength that he has to, to shove off, to, mm. to shrug off that defender um, is really something something special. I think that's, that also helps a lot in his, um, his creativity in terms of creating goals for other guys is, is play his ability to hold up um, under with two, three guys hanging on him. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just quite amazing how, what a big, strong presence he is up top. And that's been a real boon this whole season. And like I say, we've had, there was a moment when we had, he had like five and then we had like 10 other guys that had one each, which is cool, which is very cool. Um, But the last, I want to say month or so is it, it, it feels like Cheney's really coming on and it feels like he's going to break out for a big streak uh, in the next few games. We hope. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I, I, I kind of noticed when I was watching this game back, uh, watching him, mm-hmm. he, he has shades of, of Olivier Giroux uh, of like <clears throat> some of the, some of the better hold up, Taller, more powerful, stronger, hold up strikers. Yeah. Um, and I, I would argue does a better backflip than than most than mm-hmm. most uh, higher level soccer players. One of the one of the great goal celebrations in all of professional football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, he he came in. He wanted to get fifteen on the season. He is um, is not quite on pace for that. If he c- continues this pace, it'd be on pace for about 13. But like I said, I feel like he's about to break out. I he's feel like he's really <laughs> finding his stride. Uh, he's got two goals in the last two weeks. You know, take, it'll take one big game where he has a brace or a hat trick, and he'll be, um, and he'll be right on pace for the 15 or more. Um, you know, what a, what a great pickup he has been. Um, you know what's interesting? Stat- statistically. <clears throat> In this game, we had 22 to- total shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheney have 10 of them. Wow, I did not know that. I knew he had 22 shots. Yeah, he had 10. He had he took 10 shots in this game. He had 10 on his own. So, how many of those were on target? Do you know, uh, shot accuracy. He had two that were blocked, uh, five that were on target. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. I was going to jokingly say like that. What a terrible night! He had ten shots, only one goal. But <laughs> but yeah. if he had basically five on target and then two that could have been on target but were blocked, created three chances as well. Yeah, uh, he had a very very good night. Yes, he, well he was by far the best fight mob rating at eight point five, mm-hmm. uh, which is not shocking. So yeah, yeah, very very good night for him. And it's really nice to see him come on because he had a couple games there where he was seemed like he was just a step off or his first touches were failing him a couple of times, but. Um, but he's such a, a steady presence and his mentality is so good and so strong that uh, he's going to, he's going to finish out the year really strong. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he said after the match too, he's, he's like, I, he literally said, I need to score more. Yeah. Um, and uh, I asked him, you know, is that too much pressure on yourself? And he's like, that's what I'm here for. I, I, I want the pressure. I want it. Yeah. I want to be that guy. Like, that's what I'm here for. And I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's off to you then. Yeah. Um, and and it seems like he really will. I mean, he he seems like he's he is not the guy that's going to buckle under the pressure or overthink it. Um, and well, but that is also that's another thing he said. It's like I got to stop thinking so much. I got to just let my body do what it does. 
Yep. You know, and, and when he's doing that and he's not overthinking it, there was one chance in the second half of this one where he did overthink it. And he just, uh, um, it was late in the match. It was one, one, um, and, yep. uh, took and, one and too many did, touches. Had a beautiful ball in from cello could have one time did to the far post and didn't took one extra touch and it, it, and he, that allowed a defender to catch up and basically run him off the end line. Uh, but when he's just doing the thing and not thinking about it is when he can, when he finishes like he did last, uh, Wednesday and then finishes in the second half or the first half rather this time. Uh, but back to the timeline here, the, it, it, <laughs> maybe the worst bit of officiating on the night was the 16th minute. Um, Isidro Martinez cello is in basically with one man to beat and Derek Gebhardt running free and unmarked alongside him. And just as he's reaching the top of the 18, the play is blown dead. Yeah. Uh, didn't for, did not play advantage for a foul that had happened against uh, basically Cheney in the center circle had back healed the ball to cello. And that's what sprung cello to go forward. But as he was back healing and he got pushed down the referee, told Mitch later that I blew the whistle right away before that play developed, which is completely not true. I no. was there. I heard the whistle. I heard the whistle when cello was almost to the 18 yard box. Like he was clearly about to score and they pulled it back. And that was, I don't know. It's just awful, awful officiating. Um, the, 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 that was that for my, in my mind, that was the worst moment of a pretty bad night of officiating. Yeah, it was, uh, look, uh, I think I want to save a little bit of the, the rant against the officiating <laughs> until after yeah, we'll get, after we'll we talk there. about the the penalty. Um, yep. But I'll I'll put it this way: uh, Gabrielle Champy, who is the the center ref, uh, yep. is a composer. That's his day job. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's not entirely odd to me that he has to control every little aspect of everything. <laughs> that's actually that's, that it does track. That's correct. Maybe he should stick to music. Um, So, but you know what what was interesting though? That seemed to invigorate our guys a little bit. Yeah, I think they they almost felt like we are owed a goal, so we're gonna go get one. And they had in the next, I want to say four or five minutes, they had three really good chances. Uh, Cheney had one saved. Derek hit a post. Um, that was one of the one of the three saves by the woodwork, and it was when Jared Mazzola, the goalkeeper, just stood there and watched it go, and like was hoping it wouldn't go in because <laughs> he there's nothing he could do about it. But the the post kept it out, um, and then uh, it was 20 minutes before we actually get our like you like you call it the chanciest chance. Uh, we actually for the first time, what was the count? It was 479 days or something? Something like that. Like that yeah, it was since like a, we, almost a year and a half. Yeah, since we've been awarded a penalty. Um, Derek Ebhard, man, he earned this penalty too. Uh, he got his, he got, he won the possession, um, deep in our own, in our own half. With a very cute little pullback. They, they had two guys on the ball and he just like, whoop, and pulled it away from him and just took off like a bat out of hell, which is what he does. And just blistering run right by everybody. He's got, um, Brandon Fricky was literally grabbing his upper arm and pulling, trying to, he's like, give me a yellow card, please. Uh, Cause he was just trying to stop Derek. Cause he knew Derek was about to go in and score. And Brandon Fricky was just grabbing him and pulling him and trying to pull him down. Derek would not go down. He was in the box, finally goes down in the box, clear penalty. The referee did not indicate that very clearly. No, no, I mean, not at all. all. 
I mean, we, we all knew it was happening, right? Like right away, because everybody started congregating and getting ready to do the penalty, but he never actually like pointed at the spot in a real demonstrable way. But okay, whatever. Um, but uh, I think Matt, after talking to Matt after the game, Matt wanted a red card there. He thought it was yeah. a dog, though. I, I, I am not sure I see it. What do you think? So uh, it wasn't for me at the time. Uh, standing behind the flock end goal, but when I watched it back and I, I replayed it, I mm-hmm. grabbed a clip of the video, slowed it down, watched it. I'm pretty sure Fricky's leg caught Derek's trailing leg a couple of times. Um, which but to me is a lot more indicative of like that was intentional beyond just like the, the grabbing his, his arm. Yeah, I think if you're if you're last man, that's a red card, which he was. Yep. Because Derek had had not only run by Fricky, but like it was basically there were two other defenders in the box, but Derek was past them. My only thing is that he wasn't directly on frame, right? He wasn't in the center of the box. He was off to the left. Mazzola um, had a pretty good angle on it. So it, I think in any other league in the world, you think it would have been a red card? That's right. That's a straight red card because it's la- it's last man. Like, uh, right. I mean, if you look at yes all FIFA rules and are, are open to interpretation and therein well, lies the rub, you know, it's the, it's the denial of obvious goal scoring opportunity. How right. obvious was that as a goal scoring opportunity when he's coming in from the left wing? Like if he's coming mm-hmm. down the middle, it's clear it's done. It's obvious. It's a red card. Uh, not that this ref would have given one, but, um, but it, to me, it's a little less obvious than that, but still there's a case to be made. It's definitely a hundred percent, a thousand percent, a yellow card. Yeah. Well, and, and that's was, the thing is like, it's no only, given. the only time it's ever a yellow card is if they score. Mm. That's literally the only time it's a yellow card <laughs> in a situation like that. Reading the FIFA like rules around it. Um, I think part of the reason why, and this is part of, we, we can probably get into it now, but Glazer sent off and, uh, for criticizing the decision, uh, many minutes after uh (laughs) again but it is this idea that like your last man you take down an attacker who is one-on-one with the keeper if you're not there that's a red card uh and i mean i (laughs) i've seen it be a red card over and over again in so many leagues the world over um and you have glazer who like is arguing with the the you know in the fourth officials ear um, gets a straight red card for criticizing the rack of lack of a red card uh, for that play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talked a, a bit about it earlier, but like Payne's yellow card at, at you know, inside the 10th minute uh, was for almost a minute, full minute later for a, a foul that like, which by the way, like Gavilanis, uh we can get you a cot in the, in the locker room at Bree Stevens, <laughs> you don't need to be trying to, you know, lay down and take naps uh, on the pitch. Right, uh, right. But that guy loves a good lie down in the middle of a game. Um, but some, some, some of which look like dives and he didn't, you know, there was no, no discussion about simulation there at all, but Glazer's fed up with it. Quite obviously uh, you could see, um, you know, 39th minute Onan's called for a foul, which in my opinion, especially watching back was a clean tackle a 50, 50. And he spikes the ball afterwards after he's whistled for it. Um, 
Just minutes later, no card for Gavilanis for scissors tackling pain from behind, right in front of the lineup. Scissors tackle, like clear scissors tackle, clear training leg up behind his pain's knees. No yellow card. Uh, they call a foul. And I mentioned it earlier, but like with the referees, when I was talking about my like sort of midseason remarks, but we got to figure out a way to deal with these referees, right? Like from the top down, it seems like there's a cultural issue with the way that we're handling it. And I get the frustration, but like, you know, it makes me wonder if Gavilanis would have gotten a yellow for that scissor tackle or if the center ref would have played advantage when, when cello was breaking away after Cheney got pulled down. Like, yeah, it, it seems like a cultural issue with the club and one that they talked about earlier this year, right. Of like Glazer was trying to avoid having these sort of, of punishments happen when he's talking with the officials last night was a sort of hearkening back. It feels like to me anyway, to uh, before <laughs> those comments were made. So yeah. I get that we're frustrated, but it's like some, something's got to happen. And if it can't be done, you know, at an administrative level, we got to figure out what to do during these games so that we don't, you know, obviously Matt being on the sidelines is not going to make or break a game generally. Right. Like right. he talks about it all the time. Right. And Jim Launder talked about it when we interviewed him of like, you know, the mark of a good coach is like you, your, your work is done before the game and you make slight tweaks during the games, but that's right. about it. And it's like, so I don't think him being on the sidelines is exact, you know, is going to make or break a game, but can't be having the head coach get sent off or even the assistant coaches. Like right. we got to figure out more productive ways to deal with it. Agreed. hundred percent. Matt said after the game, I, I was surprised that Matt came and talked to us. I thought he wouldn't be allowed to. Um, maybe he wasn't allowed to, but he just did anyway. <laughs> but he, um, he said, I, I yelled the rest of every game. I didn't say anything today that I haven't said before. And I just got, right. sent off, so I don't know, but that, what that tells you is maybe what he was saying before also shouldn't have been barking. Right. But, but then, so, but so during a match, and like you say, you know, maybe the refs do have something against something out for us. And, and, and Dominic Cassiato thinks they have something out for Omaha and he can go on Twitter and say, and say all that and, and get a, you know, a slap on the wrist fine um, and not suspended. And now Matt's going to be out for a game and a half. Right. Yeah. For, 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 for doing it during the game, not on Twitter for everybody to hear. Like, right. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, going, going back to this particular call, uh, I, I think in a case where, you know, you're being criticized for a marginal call, uh, there were plenty of other opportunities though, where like, or other, other cards that were handed out or falls, fouls that were called where it was like even a slight, you know, back talk from any of the players on either side, right. Resulted in a dissent. Uh, caution. So at that point, you kind of have to realize what you're dealing with. Right. Yes. hundred um, percent. So anyway, the refs suck. Um, <laughs> and, and, and as a, and it's a, it's a, it's been a, it's been a problem. Uh, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it, but, but um, the, for, uh, the, for the PK, uh, the PK <laughs> why is Jaden Onan taking the PKs? That's a great question. I, I had it immediately like why aren't we letting cheney take them 
Well, I thought it would be or, Cello because Cello takes the free kicks. Or Cello so, or Wheels or, or, you know, Wheels wasn't in. But, like, yes, Cello is right. probably the most but, measured yeah, player we have. Yeah. Usually you have one guy that does the free kicks and, and the penalties are one of those. Or you have your number nine do it, which would be Chaney. Um, not to not to say Jay Nonan couldn't take penalties. Right. It was just surprising to see him line up for it. Um. And uh, he overthought it. <laughs> uh, and yeah. he tried to be cute. He's thinking, okay, we're ahead 1-0. I'm looking right into the flock end. I'm going to impress these guys. And I'm going to be like, oh, that was the most cool thing ever. And I'm going to panenka Jared Mazzola. <laughs> and he did. He sent and Mazzola was sprawling to his left. And the ball went up nice and slow and soft and clunk off the crossbar. Yep. And then out to Nazim Bartman's head and into the crossbar again. And then to Jay Nolan's head and right into the loving arms of Jared Mazzola. (laughs) So the penalty kick did not work. Now, we criticize. We say, don't overthink it. Just bury the damn thing. Uh, Mazzola's not super tall. He's not a small guy, but he's not. I mean, you put one in the upper 90, he's not going to get it. Um, Just hammer it. Just hit it as hard as you can into the, you know. Uh, even if you wanted to decide you want to do the thing where you go down the middle, um, do that, but do it hard. Uh, now, right. All that said, if he panenka him and it worked, it would be the most glorious moment in the history of Fort Madison. We would all love it. And it would oh, be 100%. <laughs> and we would all be like, oh, that was so smart. What a brilliant decision to have Jay Nonan do the penalties and panenka it. And we would all be happy about it. So uh, anyway, <laughs> all that said, um, I still say, don't Penenka when you haven't, especially when you haven't had a penalty right. in a year and a half, just score the damn thing. Yep. Put it away. Uh, Put it away. Break, break the curse, so to speak. Right. Right. Instead. Now we, and, we got another year and a half to get to our next Penenka penalty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> our next, which will probably, somebody will drag it far uh, left, wide uh, left or something. Yep. Um, so, but also, also if you're up three, nothing or something, Penenka. Not when it's one nil early right. in the match, when you uh, as extra goal would go a long way to making your fans very very happy. Just to score the damn thing. Um, so it, we go into the halftime one nil, and uh, and then um, you know the second half again they continue to play well for the most part. Their their midfield possession that we always talk about was on point. Um, defending was really good, except for one moment in the fifty third minute. We got a little bit unlucky. It was a nice, very good buildup from uh, Greenville, to be fair. Devin Boyce um, out, uh, big switch to Alan Gavalanias. Um, I think Gavalanias was trying to shoot from about 40 yards because I think he thought Burned was a little bit too far to his left and there was a half the goal was open, so he was going to try it. Um, and uh, I think it was Stephen Payne who got a foot to that and, and, and deflected it, basically. And slowed it down so it was never going to get as far as the goal line. But when it landed, it, I think it was like spinning or something because it yeah. popped up. And Mel was coming over to cut it off and overran it, basically. And so he's like kind of leaning to his right while reaching back with his left foot to try to get it. And he got a foot to it and it just died and just sat there. So there's a ball sitting there in this patch of green grass. And Mitch Osmond and uh, for us and Noah Fra- Noah uh, Noah Frankie from Greenville were just running at this dead ball that's sitting there, and Frankie got there first and put it home 
uh, in their post since one one. Again, unlucky, a little bit poor from Timmy Mel, but also yeah. you know just a weird deflection. So you kind of understand uh, the ball was spinning weird and going and bouncing weird, and um, just a, a, a momentary lapse and a bit of uh, bad luck. That that bad luck would not have been a problem had we had another goal already. Yeah, and I and I think honestly, I mean, so Mel does miscue the clearance, unlucky on his part. Like the, the, even the commentator said, he's got his body weight all wrong. Right, right. Um, it it did spin weird. Which, by the way, the the ball was bouncing a lot on the pitch tonight. The pitch is looking kind of rough at Breeze. It is. A um, bit, yeah. yeah, is is bouncing even on short, simple passes. But um, yeah, Mel miscues the clearance. Uh, it kind of takes himself out of the picture as a result of it. Frankie, uh, right, right. D- like drills it near post. It deflects off Mitch's foot, who's also mm-hmm. racing to get the ball, mm-hmm. and burn is beat as a result. I- honestly, I think, you know, if it doesn't go off Osmond's foot there, I think Burn saves it. It's right at him. Probably um, true. Yep. But Osmond had to make up for for. Timmy's mistake and tried to block the shot and it, you know, what happened happened uh, as un- unfortunate, but um, it's one of those cases too, where you, you, when I was standing behind the flock and it looked like, like Frankie threaded a needle, uh, you know, looking back on it, it was a sort of comedy of errors of circumstance, <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah. either way, frustrating goal to, to concede, but um, I don't think it really says, a lot about the overall defensive performance. No, you're hundred percent right. We were very, very good defensively for 89 and a half out of the 90 minutes. And we had one moment and, it, and it's hard to even call it a lapse because it wasn't a mental mistake. Really. It was just a got slightly out of position on a ball that had taken a strange deflection. And, yep. and then it took another deflection and, uh, and, and unfortunately bounced in, but that also, you know, that's, that's what happens when you put balls in dangerous areas, you get lucky yep. sometimes or the defense gets unlucky or both. And, uh, and it's one one. Now the rest of the way, it was still Madison's game, right? We and like you said, ended up with twenty two yeah. shots, seven of them on target. Greenville only had eight shots all night. Uh, one of them was that goal, only three right. on target. Um, and uh, uh, you know, we Onan hit another crossbar. Uh, Cheney had another uh, couple near misses. Um, and uh, it, is, it felt like we we're on the front foot. It felt like a goal was coming in the you know the whole the last twenty minutes or so. Yeah, um, and we just couldn't find it. And it's just been you know that's the the repeated curse of this club is just this lack of finishing. Yeah, yeah. I completely. Uh, this is very non sequitur, but I completely missed a segue earlier when you mentioned balls in dangerous area. Shout out to Kristen Cheney again, who absolutely bailed us out uh, in the 25th minute, <laughs> uh, putting his body on the line, uh, blocking yes. what likely would have been a goal. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, you know, I, I think overall Greenville will be, uh, you know, they're, they're training this week. Harks is probably going to be. Um, drilling their team on making the most of their, of their chances because they definitely did not. Uh, they had right, right. chances during this game as we did, but you know, the, the frustrating thing from a forward Madison perspective, take, take the, the penalty out of the game. Uh, we still would have had an expected goals of three uh, for this game. And yeah. our, our total XG was four Greenville's was one during this game. 
So I think Greenville got the goal they, they deserved. Um, but we definitely did not. Uh, I think that has to be the messaging this week mm-hmm. uh, going into these, this next very busy run of games uh, that we have to make the most of our chances. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's, uh, and, and I should mention also um, after the game, just, this is a bit of eavesdropping on my part, but uh, Jacob Krull, uh his whole family was there. So they were all taking pictures and everything. Definitely boys came over to say hello. And they were talking for a minute. And uh, Boyce said to Jacob Crawl, "Man, we got away with murder tonight. Uh, not, not, not just talking about the poor officiating, but like you guys kept hitting crossbars, and you know, like yep. they, they knew that they got away with one tonight. They they got a point that they didn't entirely earn. Yep. Um, but that's okay. But looking ahead now for uh, for Madison, you mentioned we've got um, three games. Uh, we 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 start Saturday. We have this week off basically, not not off, but like we don't play again until Saturday the fifth away at Richmond for the Henny Derby. And then we're back home against Chattanooga on Wednesday. And then we get Knoxville Saturday, uh, August 12th. And then from there, it's much more normal schedule. It's pretty much just games on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, we've got one week where we've got a Thursday game and then a Friday game the next week. So there's not a Saturday game in there, but, but they still have almost a week between games. Um, so that's much more normal, but these next three Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Richmond, Chattanooga, Knoxville, all, feel winnable or at least you know at least getting points out of those games don't you think i mean i would think so uh without being too um cynical we've (laughs) we've had a tough time against teams um maybe that were a little bit on the the bottom half of the table that's true Um, so i i don't think that i think i think what you it's what you mentioned earlier rob the 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 uh the, the word of the second half of the season has to be focus. And I think it needs to be narrow. And I think it has to be, let's just play our game and not, not bring the uh, level of the opposition necessarily into the equation at all. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. We could not think any of these games are going to be easy. We can't look at a Chattanooga who's having a bad year or a central Valley or uh, even Knoxville um, and think that they're going to be easy. These aren't guaranteed points. Not, they're just not, not, not no, no, no such thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's run around the league, and then we'll talk a little bit about table. Uh, but on Wednesday, a lot while we were playing, uh, while we were getting our doors blown off, so was Northern Colorado. Strangely, after twelve unbeaten, that comes to a screeching halt in North Carolina, as um, they get uh, North Carolina FC gets the winner from Luis Perez on a free kick just before halftime, and then uh, Alex Anderson sealed it with in salvage time uh, to to seal a two 0 win, and then on Saturday. They get killed again in Charlotte, uh, four to one. A very Madison-like performance from Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Fifty-six percent of the possession, twenty-two shots, seven on target, and they still get beat four to one. <laughs> on the other side, uh, Charlotte had six shots on target, and four of them went in, which is that's just incredible. Uh, a penalty from Dane Kelly, an incredible solo run from uh, Avion Flanagan, all the way from the center line, all by himself to score. It was amazing. Goal from uh, from Easton Gah. And then one, and then another from Dan Kelly at the very end. Uh, <clears throat> Lexington and Richmond tie two to two. Neil Vignoles opened the scoring early uh, for Richmond, and then Lexington answered with a penalty converted by our old friend, the ageless Don Smart. Uh, and then Vignoles got his second to put Richmond ahead, blistering free kick. And then, um, and then uh, Richmond gave away an own goal, a really pretty dumb one, pretty bad one. Uh, for Lexington to give a point away 
in Lexington. Uh, Northern Colorado beats uh, Chattanooga 2-1. to one. North Carolina staying hot with goals from Raheem Somersault and Rafa Mensingen, former Chattanooga Red Wolf himself, in a six-minute span. The Red Wolves did get one back uh, late, but it wasn't enough. Um, Omaha beat Tormenta 3-2. This was another one where the refereeing was apparently pretty bad. Uh, I haven't watched the whole match, but I've heard that they were pretty upset. Um, Last-minute drama here. Omaha gets its first penalty of the season. Uh, this one, however, John Scarce did convert. Steven Dos Santos doubled the lead in the 50th, uh, but Tormenta did not fold. They got back to level with goals from Nicolas Okoto and Mukwele Alkele. And uh, Alexis Suahi gets a winner in the 93rd minute for Omaha, which uh, much to Tormenta's chagrin, they, they were complaining to the ref about something. I'm not sure if it was they thought it was offside or if they thought there was a foul in there somewhere or what. But in, mm-hmm. in any case, Omaha gets all three points there. And then uh, Knoxville go to Fresno and get a 1-0 win over Fuego. Maximus Eck, everybody's favorite uh, soccer story this season. He gets sent off in the 51st for giving a boot to the face to the Knoxville keeper. Uh, but Knoxville did not really capitalize on the man advantage. Uh, Danny Fernandez got his second yellow card in the 82nd. And so we finished this one 10 versus 10. And uh, in right in the 90th minute, Giovanni Calixtro earned a penalty and Rodolfo Castro converted to give one Knox the win there. So after all that, Northern Colorado, despite dropping two games, they had they were already six points clear. So they remain in first place on 35 points. But now they're only one point ahead of red hot North Carolina with uh, 34. And then Charlotte is right behind them with 33. But Charlotte's played 21 games. So they've, we've got two or three games in hand on Charlotte. So we're not too terribly concerned about that. Madison with 30 points is in fourth, but now they're only one point ahead of uh, Greenville with 29. So winning this match on Saturday would not have really changed the table very much. We would have had, we would have been in fourth place, but we'd be ahead of Greenville by three instead of by one. So big, big picture is fine. Uh, Always nicer to get a win. Always feels better. Momentum, all that. Uh, But in terms of table, not a real uh, big deal. So, uh, as you mentioned, now uh, we ought to be able to earn, I don't know, five, six, nine points in the next three matches and really put ourselves in a good spot, especially if Northern Colorado has started to come back to earth and uh, feels like we can catch up. Yeah. I, I Again, the, the table is like stupid close. It still is. It's been close all season. Uh, I think the only... Uh, <clears throat> I guess real movement or, or thing of note that we could talk about is uh, that the, the games in hand is not really an issue anymore at this point. Um, No coast pretty much caught up at this point. North Carolina, Mm -hmm. I think is in the same boat as them. Uh, They have one game in hand at this point. And that, I think that'll be taken care of the next month. Um, So from here on out, uh, it is, it is uh, up to uh, whoever is going to claim those playoff spots. It, it, their fate is in their own hands. Uh, and that definitely applies to Madison. Uh, the gap in the table is small. It is small. And we have, we should mention, we have two more games against Northern Colorado. Uh, they beat us once this year, early in May. And we have uh, two, we have a game in September and a game in October. So right at the end of the season, we're going to be battling it out. Uh, hopefully still at the top of the table. Those are going to be big, big matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, we, of course, we finish against Omaha, always you know, at home uh, on October 14th, always a good rivalry game. And, and you know Omaha right now sitting in sixth place. 
it's reasonable to think they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot and they're going to want to come to Madison and, and get three points there uh, at the end of the season. So it's setting up for a really fun, exciting uh, run to the end of the season, into the playoffs, and we will be there with you every step of the way. Andrew Schmidt, thank you so much for being with us. Again, follow uh, Andrew at New Dog Wazine and, and uh, get yourself a print magazine. You still Absolutely. have some. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, we've we've got some. We've yeah. got yeah. Come find us in the flock end or Rabini before games. Uh, get get your new dog magazine. And uh, we will be back next week. And until then, uh, Talk of Flock is a production of Soda Soccer Network, produced by Jeremy Rushing, hosted by me, by me, Rob Chapel, and uh, and my good friend Andrew Smith. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week. We'll be right back.